get into the Word of God. Oh, yeah. I remember when I was a little boy, I had a red wagon. Anybody ever had a little red wagon? Amen. <laughs> and we would sometimes put water in our little red wagon. And we would go around to little little creeks or, or little places and look for toads. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> and, and we would come back, finally, me and my two brothers, with a red wagon full of toads. What do you do with a red wagon full of toads, you ask? My answer is, I have no idea what you do with a red wagon full of toads. I don't know what we did with them. I just remember the excitement and the joy and the exploration of going out and putting toads in the red wagon in a little bit of water, and we just had a good time doing that. Now, there was one thing about it, though. There was a little point of fear with those toads. We thought that by picking up those toads and if you held them in your hands too long, you'd get warts from the toads. Does anybody, has anybody ever thought that? that okay, I'm not the only one. We thought, like, because they look kind of like warts themselves, right? So if you hold them too long, you just might catch something from them. You just might get a wart. Of course, we know that that's not true. But we thought that there was something contagious involved in touching those toads. Today we're going to look at a story in Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 40, of Jesus and a man who actually was contagious. In fact, he was very contagious, not just with warts, but with something much more corrupting, something much more powerful, something much more deadly, but as we look through the scripture, we're going to see that this man, who at the beginning of this story is contagious with something deadly, by the end of the story, he's contagious with life and with glory and with the touch of God. Hallelujah. So let's stand together as we get ready to dig into this text in Mark chapter 1. And we look, we'll read together verses 40 through 45. Let's read. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See to it that you don't tell this to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to talk to you on the title, Contagious Grace. Contagious Grace and 
the main idea that I have for today is simply this. Jesus' gracious touch not only meets your deepest need, but it spreads contagiously through everyone who receives it. Amen? You know, earlier in this chapter, uh, Jesus told the demons, shut up, be quiet, don't say that anymore. And the demons shut up. But you know what? When he told this man, he just couldn't keep it to himself. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is life. It is health. It is strength. It is blessing. It is salvation. It is healing and cleansing. God, I pray that in the coming moments that you will speak to your people through your word and by your spirit to the praise and the glory of your name. Have your way, we pray now, and bless us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen, and amen, amen. I want to jump right into this, this story of Jesus and this man with leprosy, um, the, the first thing that we see as we dive into the story is this setup for the man's deliverance. From the beginning uh, of the story, you see uh, that this man uh, is willing to talk about what's going on and willing to show himself without hiding in any way before Jesus. This is really important for us to get. I'm going to drive this point home if I can. There's no adequate example I can give you from today that exemplifies the degree of this man's neediness as he comes before Jesus. So I want to look at this verse real close. First of all, I want you to notice in the verse that this man with leprosy does not ask Jesus to be healed. There's no mention of healing in this verse. He doesn't ask for healing. He says, you can make me clean. In fact, he doesn't ask him. He just says it. You can make me clean. Jesus said, you're willing. Uh, but, but what's the important difference here between asking for healing and then, and then declaring that it can be cleansed? Well, we, you've got to understand just how horrific leprosy was in ancient Israel. Of course, it was a physical cost to the disease and it was degenerative over time, but the physical aspect of it is just a sliver of the cost of what leprosy meant to an Israelite. It left its victim in a perpetual state of being unclean before God and unable to be with God's people. And so that, that's something that we don't have much of a concept of in our modern Western world. The book of Leviticus is where we see all these laws laid out about cleanliness and purity and being unclean and then being made clean again. And God laid out these laws because He is a holy and perfect God and the people of God were brought together and God dwelt in the midst of them and if they were to come too close as unclean and unholy 
people to the pure and mighty and holy God, they would be destroyed. And so God lays out these elaborate rules in the book of Leviticus to help us understand these things. And over and over again, we see this concept of either being clean or being unclean. We see all the ways that an unclean person is able to make themselves ritually clean so that they can once again enter into the presence of God. So, so here's the, the truth, is that becoming unclean at some point was actually unavoidable for every person. You were going to become unclean. In the normal walk of life, just going through your day, going through your week, you would be unclean. And that did not mean necessarily that you had sinned. So you could be unclean if you came in, uh, in touch with a dead body. If you touch blood at any time, you would be unclean. Even basic uh, fluids uh, coming out of your body made you unclean. Even a man and his wife having a relationship would make them ritually unclean for a time. But what you see with all of these things is that God lays out and gives a prescription to move, to move you from unclean to clean. So, so there's this recognition that this is going to happen, but now we can make you clean. Now we can get you ready to be a part of the people of God and into the presence of God. But leprosy was something different. Leprosy was more difficult because the person, as long as they were in this leper state, no matter what else they did, they were unclean. So it's not possible to have leprosy and come close to God or, or participate in his community. Now some people had a mild form that the priest could check and see that, okay, it went away, now you're good again. And they give them a prescription to be made clean again. But for those who had the more serious form of leprosy, like this man that we see, there was no cure. And it left the person in a vulnerable state. Here's the real cause of leprosy. Number one, they were physically compromised and in a deteriorating state. It wasn't going to get better. Number two, they were emotionally devastated by forced and permanent separation from their household, from their loved ones, and from their community. No one would touch them and they could not touch anyone else. Just imagine that for a moment. Number three, they were in a perpetual state of poverty with no hope of a better day. So I, I don't know about how all of that hits you, but it hits me in a bad place, y'all. Uh, I can't imagine just how desperate uh, I might be uh, in that place. And this man is unclean and, and seemingly has no hope. So he comes to Jesus and he doesn't hide his leprosy. He doesn't try to cover it up in some way to be presentable to get an audience with Jesus and then let him know. But he comes to Jesus with the fullness of who he is, the fullness of his leprosy on display. And the text says that he begs Jesus. He gets down on his knees before Jesus. 
He's not trying to look cute. He's not trying to clean up anything. He's not trying to appear presentable. Oh, we need to hear this today. I believe that way too often when we come to God, we kind of clean ourselves up a little bit and try to come sanitized for your protection. I know, I know it's bad. I know my state is bad. I know my sin is bad. I know my situation is bad. But let me just clean it up a little bit and come presentable before God. This man does none of that. Doesn't hide anything. He doesn't water anything down at all. He comes just as he is. What does that look like for us? Let, let me give you an example. I remember some years ago that I was in a bad place emotionally. A really deep and dark place emotionally. I was in a place where I basically had lost hope. I, I, I didn't care about waking up tomorrow. I, I really didn't want to live anymore. That's where I was at this time. And in the middle, midst of all that, I had a job that I went to every day that was demanding and difficult. I had my wife and my kids. They were a bit younger and so trying to care for my kids, trying to love my wife, trying to do my job, busy in ministry at the church, trying to put on the best front that I could wherever I went, but my deep, dark reality was bad. I was not in a good place at all. But I remember one afternoon, I was driving in my car, and I came to what felt like a breaking point where I wasn't going to make it anymore. I was decompensating real fast. It's about to lose it. That moment, I called a pastor I knew. He was never my pastor, but he was my pastor. Amen. Called Pastor Fred Estrada. Pastor Fred said, Come over right now. And I went to Pastor Fred's office at Bethel Church in North Philly. And I laid down on his couch and I spilled my guts to that man. I don't remember all that I said, but I just laid it out there as raw, more raw than I had ever laid it out there to any other human being in my life. I brought him all into my mess, into my desperation, into my despondency, into this place that I was at. I just let it all hang out, y'all. And here's the thing. I don't have a clue of what Pastor Fred said. <laughs> I don't remember a single thing, but I know this. When I left there, I had hope in Jesus for the first time in weeks. Scripture is teaching us today. Deliverance always starts with telling the whole truth. Somebody say the whole truth. The whole truth about your condition. You can fool people. You can fool yourself. 
the presenting issue. His issue just wasn't what was going on with his skin condition. It was way deeper than that, and so it is with us. And we've got to get to those deeper places. We get there by being honest before God and sometimes before another person as well. Now look at what this man says to Jesus. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Doesn't ask Jesus anything. He simply makes a faith-filled statement. You can make me clean. Apparently, he had heard about what was going on with Jesus, what Jesus was doing in other places. And he made a decision to believe that even though I haven't heard him, uh, heard that he healed any other lepers yet, I just believe that he can touch me too. I believe that he can cleanse me too. He's able. He made that decision. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, it's easy for us to believe that God can heal someone else, that God can cleanse someone else, that God can move in another situation, but God needs you to believe that God can touch me, God will touch me, He has not forgotten me. That is the place of faith and believing. This man probably had heard about how the prophet Elijah had cured and cleansed Naaman, the leper, from the Assyrian army hundreds of years ago from his leprosy. He probably heard the story about Elisha. But even in that story, if you look at 2 Kings chapter 5, what you'll see, where did that come from? How did Naaman hear about the great prophet Elisha? He heard from a little servant girl. A little girl who was enslaved by the Arameans. Who when she heard about Naaman, she just remembered and she just believed, my God is big enough and he can heal him of his leprosy. There's a prophet of God over in Israel. This young girl made a faith statement. Listen, we look at all these things. God's not uh, stuck on how old you are, how much you know, how many degrees you have, how much money you got. If you will make that faith-filled statement, God can use you and God can touch you and God can change you. This little girl makes this statement. Brothers and sisters, the setup for your deliverance is wrapped up in the full acknowledgement of your neediness that leads you to a posture of desperation with your eyes focused on the only one who can do what is impossible. This man with leprosy, an incurable disease, placed himself at the feet of Jesus and he looked square on the face of the Son of God and believes that this man can change his life. Now I want you to see what happens next. This man next 
is cleansed by the divine touch. This is an interesting point here of what happens next because there's a strange statement at the beginning of verse 41. It says, Jesus was indignant. Now this man comes before Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can cleanse me. And then the next thing we see in scripture says Jesus was indignant. That's weird to me. Weird to anybody else? Now if you read it in the, in a, in the ESV, it's not weird. Because it says something like this, that Jesus was moved with pity. Or moved with compassion. That makes sense, right? This needy, leprous man comes before Jesus. It seems like he'd be moved with pity. But this says he was indignant. What's going on there? I'm glad you asked. Well, what, what's happening is that in, in the early Greek manuscripts, there's two different words that are used in that place. And the ESV believes it's one, and the NIV goes with another word. So there are different words that are used. Um, now, I believe from my own study that the NIV has come up with, with the correct uh, word here. And one of the reasons I believe that is it's easy to see why someone would change something from indignant to the Lord had compassion or he was merciful. Uh, but it's hard to understand why it go the other way around. Amen. So the scripture says Jesus was indignant. What in the world is going on here? Here's, what I, here's, here's one thing you need to understand. You don't get the story of Jesus at all unless you get the overriding theme of the struggle between two kingdoms. It's always there. It's ever present with Jesus. On the one hand, there is the kingdom of this fallen world that is empowered by demonic forces, Satan himself at the head of it. On the other hand, there is the incoming kingdom of God fully manifested in the presence of the eternal Son, Jesus Christ. There is a clashing of kingdoms going on. We see this over and over again in Mark chapter 1 already. We saw it when Jesus was, was, was uh, declared the Son by His Father. When the Holy Spirit came on Him, the next thing that happens is He goes out into the wilderness and is tempted by the enemy. For 40 days and 40 nights. We saw it again in this chapter when Jesus goes into the town and the demons are right before him. He, he calms the, the, the demons. He sends out demons from people and tells them to be quiet. We see this clash over and over again. And you don't understand what's going on in this text. It's all If all you see is a man with leprosy and Jesus behind all of that, Jesus is indignant at the work of the enemy to try to destroy life. And he says, no, 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 no. He's indignant. The word translated indignant means to be full of anger. It means to be absolutely furious. Jesus uses a similar word in Mark chapter 3 and verse 5 when there's a man with a withered hand and it is a Sabbath day. And the, the, the gathered religious leaders around there are looking at Jesus. Are you going to heal him on a Sabbath day? And he asks them whether 
shut their mouths. And it says that Jesus got angry with them. He was indignant. God wants to heal. God wants to deliver. And now you're shutting your mouth. Don't you know the goodness and compassion of your God? Jesus is furiously angry with the work of the enemy in this man's life. And Jesus, I want you to get this, is angry with the enemy's work in your life and in my life as well. Now here's what you need to see. He's not angry with you. He's not frustrated and angry with this man, but he is frustrated, and he's not frustrated with you, but he is irate. Jesus, I'm preaching so i got to watch my words. He is livid. He is ticked off, if I can say it that way, uh, with the audacity of the enemy to think that he can have his way in this man's life and the same in your life. Jesus' enemy-oriented anger coupled with his gracious love for this broken man is the fertile soil that produces his life-transforming touch. Verse 41, the next thing that happens is that Jesus reaches out and touches this man. I don't want you to miss just how important that is. Jesus didn't have to touch this man at all. We've seen Jesus many times, even from far away, say that person's healed and they're healed. Jesus didn't have to touch him, but he does. He healed many people without them, without touching them, but not at this time and not with this man. Here's the thing. By touching a man with leprosy, according to the letter of the law, Jesus himself becomes unclean. Now we're going to see that something else is going on here, but listen, if this gets back to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, this is going to be a scandal in the kingdom. Who is this wannabe Messiah touching lepers? You don't do that. But something else is going on in this place. See, Leviticus never says it's a sin to be unclean. Sin and uncleanliness are not the same thing. And it's not a sin to touch someone with leprosy. Jesus didn't sin. But it says that you become unclean because of the contagious nature of the disease. But something different is going on here. When Jesus touches the man, he's not infected with leprosy. He's not infected with the disease. But the man is infected with the grace and with the favor and with the healing and with the cleansing of God. I don't know how much any of us can really relate to just how enormous the moment of this touch was in this man's life. But consider just for a minute, that in his leprous state, this man had to live outside of the community, outside of the gate, live away from everyone in isolation. Consider that he had not known the touch of another human being probably for years since he first contacted that disease. 
begin to understand what this man was going through. And consider that when he went out in public, he did that dressed in rags, with his hair unkempt, and that was all because the law said he had to do that, and to cry out, unclean, 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 so that no one would come near him. This is the condition of this man. It was at a point where the very possibility or the thought of human touch, of human tenderness, was an alien idea to him. And then comes Jesus. He does, just doesn't declare you're cleansed. He does, just doesn't declare you're healed. But Jesus touches the man. Here's what I want you to see. God knows the deepest levels of your brokenness. And He knows exactly how to restore you. God's not some faraway uh, deity. He's not some impersonal force. But He is the intimate, involved, and loving God who ministers to your deepest need. And here's the thing, I, I hope you can see this. Lepers were kept from the presence of God not because they would mess up the temple or they would mess up uh, God's presence in some kind of way. They weren't kept away because they could mess up God's stuff. They were kept away because if they got too close, they themselves would be destroyed by the holiness of God. But look what happens here. Here's the miracle. The pure presence of the perfect God pursues this broken, unclean, and impure man not to destroy him, but to cleanse him. God's coming after him, not to judge him, but to restore him. Can I tell you right now that at this very instant, the same God is pursuing you for exactly the same reason. He's coming to restore, to cleanse, and to heal. The touch of Jesus, the Bible says, immediately cleanses this man. You see that over and over again in Mark. Immediately he's cleansed. My question to us today, to you today, is are you putting yourself in a position to be touched by Jesus? Someone said, what the heck do you mean by that preaching? Uh, I don't see Jesus anywhere here. What do you mean? Well, what, what I mean is simply this. Are you like this man, desperate for the touch of Jesus? I'm not talking about just being curious about what it might be like. I'm not talking about being interested in the touch of Jesus. I'm talking about being desperate. This man was desperate. Are you willing to get low? Are you willing to humble yourself? This man was on his knees begging Jesus. Listen, I have no doubt about this at all. God wants to move in your life. Brother or sister, anyone in this room, anyone watching this, God wants to move in your life in a powerful way so that His name will be glorified in you and through you. God wants to do that in your life. This brings us to the last piece 
here today, the final section of the passage, and the last thing, I want you to see the contagious nature of God's grace. Some of the verses are up there, and, and, and look at what these verses tell us. Jesus warns the man not to tell anyone about what happened. Now think about that for a moment. This man's entire life was changed. He couldn't have contact with any human being whatsoever. He, he was living away from people, uh, unable to worship God. Been now he's completely cleansed. And Jesus tells him, don't tell anybody about it. What? What's going on? On top of that, everyone who sees him is going to ask, what happened to you? Right? You see Cousin Bob, I'm sorry Bob, but Cousin Bob who just got healed and you know where he's been and what he's been like for all these years and now his skin is restored. He's a brand new man. You're going to ask, what happened to you? But Jesus knows that when the news gets out of this miracle, that it's going to ratchet up the fervor about Jesus. That it's going to be to a place, and we see it at the end of these verses, where Jesus can't enter a town anymore. He can't enter a city anymore because people are clamoring for this. They're clamoring to be touched by Him. Now here's what I want you to see. This leprous man had to be alone and isolated all of this time. Why? Because he was contagious. But now, at the end of this passage, at the end of this story, he's way, way, way more contagious than he ever was before. You want to get leprosy from him? You've got to get up close. you got to touch him. Maybe, I don't know if it was air, airborne, I don't know what it was, but you got to get real close. you got to touch this man to get the leprosy, but now life. 
without sin. Jesus is here right now because he went to uh, Calvary's cross and he paid the debt of your sin on that cross as he was crushed not only by men but by the Father. He paid the debt of your sin. Jesus is here right now because he got up out of the grave on the third day with all power in his hand. Jesus is here right now because he ascended to the Father. Jesus is here right now because he sent the Holy Spirit to be among his people. Jesus is here right now. He wants to touch you just like he touched this leprous man. So the question for us today is, will you believe that Jesus, the crucified and resurrected Lord of all, wants your life to bring glory to his name? Many people here I know, you have given your hearts and lives to Jesus, praise the Lord, but you also may know, even right now, that God is stirring up something in you that you know is holding you back, that something that is keeping you down, something that is not, not allowing the fullness of what God wants to do in your life to be manifested. God wants to touch you right in that place. So in just a minute, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, I'm going to come up here and a few other people will come up here. And if you sense at all that God is dealing with you, I invite you to come down for prayer. We'll be worshiping the Lord again. Pastor Tim will be giving the benediction after that. But if you feel like God is touching you, God is stirring up something in you, we invite you to come for prayer. God wants to do business in the lives of His people. And if you don't know him, we pray you come as well. If you're watching this online, call the church office or send us an email. We'd love to get with you as well. So let me pray. And then those I've asked to come up and help me with prayer, come on up right now. And we will pray. Let me pray right now. Then we'll worship. Feel free to come up for prayer. Father. Once more, the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you are at work. That as much as you loved this man 2,000 years ago and set him free and made him clean, you want to do that even now, even today, to touch your people in a fresh and new way. Lord, I pray. Let your Holy Spirit do whatever he wants to do. Work by word and spirit to cleanse, purify, and glorify your name through your people.